Father, may your word be our rule, may your Holy Spirit be our teacher, and might your glory be our supreme desire today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Uh, you may perceive me as being a little presumptuous, um, but when I saw the readings that I had for today, I had to tell you that um, my thought pattern was I'm going to uh, do the homily on Psalm 23, which is kind of an interesting thing to do since uh, um, it was interesting as I looked at you while we read the 23rd Psalm today, uh, most of you didn't even have to look at what was on, on the screen or in your leaflet. Uh, probably one of the best known of all scriptures is Psalm 23. Uh, those of us who grew up in the church probably learned it very, very, very early, and, and it has been something that we've kept on with the days. So it's not something that is unfamiliar with us. The interesting thing, however, that I uh, look at when I, when I see this particular psalm is oftentimes the only time that we hear this psalm is either at the time of death or during a funeral. The psalm that we use here in our funeral services is, is always Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. But the interesting thing that I would think of as we, as we look at this psalm is that we need to understand that this is not a psalm about death. This is a psalm about life that just happens to deal with the concept of what happens if death might come near to me. When I sent the big idea in hymns to Kevin, I was so pleased when he replied to all of us that he was looking forward to worshiping the Good Shepherd with everyone next Sunday and thanking him for his mercy. He will be praised. As you know, the Psalms are the hymnal of the, of, of the Jewish nation. This is what was used to lift up praise and thanks to God. So as we look at this passage, what I want to do is I want us to worship the Good Shepherd with our lives. You know, the English word for worship is a little different than what we get from the, from the concept of either the Hebrew word or the, the Greek word. And, and those words are all great. They have the idea of laying ourselves out before God and doing those things. But the English word worship, the old English word worship, has the idea of, of lifting up that thing which is worth the praise and the honor and the glory. So when we worship, what we do is we lift up God, who is worthy of all praise and honor and glory. Now, as we said, it's sometimes this psalm is used. Warren Wiersbe in, in his book uh, on uh, Be Worshipful, and um, there, it actually comes in two volumes. Uh, if you ever have an opportunity if you want a, a, a commentary on just about any book, there, there's what's called the B-series uh, commentary. It's by David C. Cook. And this is one of the uh, commentaries, Be, Be Worshipful. And Wearsby writes both the first and the second book on it. And in this book, in, in volume one, he writes about the psalm. Certainly this psalm has a message for sorrowing, but it's unfortunate that it's used primarily at funerals because Psalm 23 focuses on what Jesus does for us all the days of our life. 
I wish that I could spend the time with you to really get into all of the meanings that we have here. I can't do that. I would recommend a book to you. It's by Philip Keller, and it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's an absolutely fantastic psalm. Philip Keller is, or was, a, a shepherd. So he views Psalm 23 from the eyes of being a shepherd and what it takes. And as he writes that book, one of the things that he does is that he basically looks at taking care of the sheep during a whole year's period and what takes place. And I'd really recommend that to you. So this morning, what I want us to see is that the Lord is our shepherd. I love the way the Hebrew does this. It says, Yahweh or Achi, the Lord, shepherd. It's the word. We use the term shepherd here as we look at it, and I'll, and I'll talk a little bit about this later, usually as a noun. But the word wachi is not a noun. It's a participle. So we'll talk a little bit about that. The first thing that I want to look at with you, though, is who is this that's going to be our shepherd? Well, the, the psalm starts out the way. By the way, David wrote this psalm, and if anybody knows about being a shepherd, it's David. And the Lord is our shepherd. And when you look, if, if you had your Bibles with you today, what, what you would look at is that you would see that word Lord there is in all capitals. And any time in the Old Testament when you see the word Lord and it's in all capitals, it's a translation of the tetragrammaton that we really don't know how it's pronounced, but we've decided that it's going to be pronounced Yahweh. Okay? That's the word. It's the covenant God the God who has loved Israel, the God who has made promises to Israel. And as I looked at the psalm, it just amazed me that the shepherd, the Lord, is the one who's being discussed here. Uh, when you read the psalms, I'd suggest that as you go through the psalms, you see that word, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, see what the psalm says about Yahweh. See what it says about the Lord. I love the next psalm, a psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. Everything belongs to the Lord. So when we're talking about Yahweh, we're talking about the one who, uh, in some psalms, we find that he creates, and that the world is all his. So the Lord is the one, the, the Lord is the great God. I also like over in Psalm 145, it says, I will extol, I will extol your, you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. And if we were to go down through this particular uh, psalm, we would find out that his ways are beyond our understanding. He's much smarter than we are. His glory is the most important thing. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. My job as a human being is to glorify God. And, it, and he makes it easy because of who he is. He's the God who is glorified. He's, his, his, his ways are beyond understanding. In verse 7 of Psalm 145, his abundant goodness and his righteousness are there. In verse 8, his, he is gracious and merciful. 
As we look in verse 11, he says, his works speak of the glory of his kingdom. Verse 13 says, he is faithful. Jesus over in John chapter 10 says, I am the good shepherd. The interesting thing is, the rabbinic interpretation of the Mishnah tells you that the shepherd is somebody that is useless. Isn't it interesting that the God of universe says, I'm your shepherd. I'm your shepherd. Okay? The shepherd was not looked as, as somebody who was, had, had great standing. As a matter of fact, uh, Pam taught uh, the names of God one time, and she found that uh, the interpretation said the shepherd was considered incompetent and worthless. Should he fall into a pit, he could be left there to die because he was that useless. And yet, who do we have here as being the shepherd? We've got the God of the universe who is the shepherd. We look in the Old Testament, one of the things that we see often is that the king of Israel is considered a shepherd. When we go over to, when we go over to uh, uh, Psalm, uh, Isaiah 40, verse 11, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. Who's it talking about? Talking about the Messiah. And that shouldn't surprise us because we go over to Philippians chapter 2 and he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself and became obedient, even obedient unto death. Here's the God of the universe, and that's what Philippians 2 tells us. The God of the universe became like you and me and humbled himself, even to the point of death. That's the good shepherd. That's the good shepherd, the God of all creation, the God to whom we owe all honor and glory and worship is the God who says, I will be your shepherd. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, the people of the shepherd, who are they all? Who are they? You remember I told you that that word wachi is not a noun. Instead, it's a participle. It's a verbal participle. And in, in, if we were to literally translate it, it would say, is shepherding me. The Lord is shepherding me. Isn't that fantastic to, to, to know that? You know, I look at this thing, and one of the things that we see, we go over to John chapter 10. What do we find? We find the, the shepherd who is at the door. He's going to let his sheep in. He's not going to let them out. We also find out in that passage that he knows them by name. They know his voice, and he calls them. He is the shepherd of his sheep and calls them by name. I love Psalm 139. Psalm 139 reminds me that there is nothing that comes into my life that God does not know about. He knows when I get up in the morning. He knows when I go to bed at night. He says, even if you could move as fast as the sun does across the day, God remains with you. He knows everything that there is to know about you. As a matter of fact, we'll come later in the psalm, and he will say, search me, O God, see if there be any grievous way in me. When I do, when I do communion and I'm doing the absolution, my prayer is, search me, O God, to see if there's any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You know me. 
Pam also taught this psalm, and, and, and she found out that the, the shepherd knows its sheep so very, very well that if the shepherd touches one of the sheep, if he touches the face at night, he knows exactly which sheep he's dealing with. That's how well he knows them. And that's the way your, our shepherd is. He knows us. He knows us intimately, everything about us. He knows every need that you and I have. How personal can you get? Here's the God of the universe says, I'm your shepherd. I'm the one who cares about you. I'm the one who loves you. I'm the one who's going to keep you safe. I'm going to be the one who walks with you. I am going to lead you. Isn't that fantastic? That's our shepherd. And that's why he's worthy to be worshipped. He knows everything that there is to know about me, just like that shepherd knows everything. My understanding is that sheep have different personalities. I know that my dogs have different personalities. Sometimes I would like to kill one of them who has that different personality. But you know what? My wife sent me something the other day, you know. It's this meme about this guy that says, there will be no dogs in here. And then later on, the, the, the guy is holding the dog and goes, oh, daddy loves you. She goes, she says to me, that's you. I went, doesn't even look like me. Doesn't even look like me. This morning, I was getting ready. Edie Irene, Edie Irene. Uh, if we go over to uh, if, if we go over to the the circle, one of the first questions that both Pam and I get from the girls is, "How is Edie Irene?" Because Edie Irene is somebody that's unique. She's unique, and she was laying on the bed this morning as I got ready to go, and she looked so angelic. You know, and you go, gee, I, you know, I love you, puppy. But there are times, you know. And I'm sure that our God says, you know, I love you, but there are times. There are times. And that's what we go into the next, the plan of God. And I just want to do these briefly. I wish I, wish I had time to develop these. You know, the good shepherd would look and he's taking care of his lambs and he's leading his lambs and he's calling them by name in John chapter 10. Well, in Psalm 23, he's, the first thing that he says is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. When he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters, sheep do not lay down they are restless unless they are satisfied in what they have. They have enough food. They have enough drink. They can say, I am going to lie down in this green pasture because I, I am satisfied. When our grandson, who is now 17, will be 17 in June, when uh, he was young and uh, he had finished eating, his parents didn't want to say, I've had enough. They wanted him to say, I'm satisfied. I have been satisfied by what you have given me to eat. I'm satisfied. Well, he didn't say satisfied. You know what he said? I'm pacified. I'm pacified. But isn't that what God is asking us to do 
to be satisfied so we have peace. To know that he provides the things that we need. And then I can have peace. I look to my God and say, God, you have me here. I may not have everything I want, but I have everything that I need. I'm at peace. You know, as I've gotten older, one of the things that I, that, that I love, Pam and I, in the afternoon, a lot of times, we'll go out on our patio. And uh, we have such an exciting time out there. Uh, I, have a, uh, I have an app on my phone. It's called Flight Radar. So I can watch the airplanes. I can find out where they came from and, they, and where they're going and how high they are and things like that. So that's the excitement that we have in the afternoons. Except you know what? You know how often we get out there and we remind ourselves just how gracious God has been. And we are at peace. We are at peace. Because we know he's the one who has provided the green pastures. He's the one who has brought us near the water where we can drink and not have fear. His word is often called uh, both food and drink. And it's when we have that food and drink. And uh, he, he says, uh, he leads me beside, he restores my soul. Love that. Uh, if you were to read Keller, he would talk to you about a sheep that is cast. Do you know what that, have you ever heard that word? It means that it flipped over on its back. It cannot get up. And if it stays there, it will die. The, the uh, blood will stop circulating. It will die. Do you know what often is the cause of that lamb going over? The wool is too heavy. He's, he, the wool is abundant. Or they've eaten so much that they become heavy. And so they get over. And you know what? When he says... He restores my soul. I think that what he's talking about is that lamb who is flipped over, perhaps, perhaps not knowing that, that it's gotten itself into trouble. And the shepherd goes out and lifts that lamb up so that that lamb can now walk. He restores. That lamb will die if that shepherd does not come and lift it up. What have we said about death? Death is separation. When we sin, we are separated from God and, and, and everything, all of the, uh, so many of the blessings that God. And uh, I, I love this word here because this is the same word that's used back in Psalm 51, verse 12, when David, who has sinned, uses this word, restore to me. Exactly the same word. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. I've sinned, Father. I'm laying on my back. I am dying. If you read Psalm 51, what does he say? <laughs> Things are not good. He's, he's, he's depressed. He doesn't have anything to look forward to. And God comes and restores him and brings him back into his joy. And you know, that's what our shepherd does. Sometimes when we get over, 
when we've, when we've had too much, when we become proud, when we think that we're the ones who are so great, and we get over on our back, and God says, listen, you're my lamb. I love you. Let me straighten you out. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to, to, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Did you ever know, notice when we do uh, the absolution after we have said the, uh, the confession, the priest will say to you, on the part of God, you are forgiven. Now what do you do? When the second service we say, Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive all of your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness. We do the same thing in the first service, except it's just a little longer. Just a little longer. But that's what he wants. When we, when we have that confession, we're basically saying to him, I want to come back. Be your lamb Lead me the way you want me to lead me. Lead me in that goodness. Confession. Confession and forgiveness never take place without the challenge to be what God wants us to be. You renew my life. You provide forgiveness for me. You give me the joy of my salvation. Then he says, you leads me in the, uh, the, the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He, he gives me, he shows me what he wants me to do. When the man came to him, what is the chief of all, uh, what, what's the most important of all commands? You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and you'll love your neighbor as yourself. He restores, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. The paths of righteousness he leads me in is I will love God with all of my heart. I will worship God with all of my heart. The problem that we have so often in the United States is we don't recognize how great of a God we have. That's the problem. We need to bow on our faces before our God to worship him and give him the worth. The one who loved us the shepherd who gave his life for us. And then we come to the passage that most of us know. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The picture is that of a, a shepherd who is leading his sheep through the valleys from the lower pasture lands to the upper pasture lands. To get from the lower pasture lands to the upper pasture lands, you've got to go through the valleys. And those valleys can be difficult. The shadows can become difficult. And what happens is that the predators, predators can hide in those shadows, can't they? But that's our life, isn't it? The predators hide. The desire to do things that we ought not do hide in those shadows. And yet God leads us through those shadows. He's with us. He hasn't left us when there's temptation that comes or when the predators come by. He leads us. And it says, his rod and his staff, 
They comfort me. This was a gift to me by a friend. This is a gift. This is a staff that has the Ten Commandments listed on it. This is to remind me of what my responsibilities are before God. And that's what God does with us when we walk through that dark valley of the shadow of death. He's there with us to give us the comfort that we need as we look at his word, as we find out more and more about him. Oh, my friends, when you open your scriptures, always look to see what the scriptures are teaching you about God. So often we look at the scriptures, and what we want from the scriptures is that we want these wonderful promises. Well, I'll tell you what, you'll get the promises when you recognize who God is. That's what we need to be doing. He uses that rod and he uses that staff sometimes to pull us back in and sometimes to beat off the enemies that we might face. Then he says he prepares a table before me. The shepherd prepares that table. I think the view that he's talking about. Anybody know what, anybody know what the Spanish word for table is? Mesa, that's exactly right. What is a mesa in the western part of our... It's, it's flat top. And in the Middle East, what would happen is that the shepherds would lead them through these valleys and they would get to these flat tops on the mountain that would be full of, 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 uh, uh, of food for the lambs, for the sheep. So when he prepares a table before him, he's preparing that top with the best grass ever. Had to go through some things, didn't we, to get there. But he has that tabletop that's set before us, that you've set the table before me in the presence of my enemies. One of the things that we need to understand is that when we come to know Jesus as our Savior, things aren't over. doesn't mean that things aren't going to happen. As a matter of fact, he tells us that when we get to that tabletop, we're going to lie down, and you know what's going to happen? He's going to anoint our head with oil. Isn't that a wonderful thing to have happen? You know why a shepherd anoints his sheep with oil? You know why? To keep the bugs away. That's exactly right. To keep the bugs away. Because there are going to be things that are going to come into our lives that are going to be things that are going to bother us. As a matter of fact, they can bother us so much that it can lead us to distraction and depression, and even death. And yet we've got a God who says, I've got oil that I'm going to put on your face, and I've got oil that I'm going to put on you. And what is that oil for us? That oil for us is nothing but nothing more than his spirit. He says, don't be controlled by evil things. Don't be controlled by drinking. Be instead controlled by the spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And that's what needs to happen in our lives. We need to look for God to fill us on a day-by-day basis with his spirit to lead us out. To put it on. Oh, my friends. Then he says, his goodness and mercy will fall. God's goodness is shown through his abundant care and his mercy. I love that word mercy. That word mercy there means steadfast love. 
His love never stops. A love that is ever present in our lives. He may not change. He does not, he does not change. This is a reminder of Paul's writing in Romans chapter 8. And we know all that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are called according to his purpose. Everything that comes into our lives, I wouldn't, defini- I wouldn't define as good. But the things that happen in our lives lead us to God. And then he says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I don't think he's referring to the temple. I think he's referring to being in the presence of God himself. That's what I think. Whether it's on that top of the mountain or it's whether we come back down into the valleys and back down to the lower feeding areas. We dwell where God is. And he walks alongside of us. John teaches us that Jesus is our good shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. And just like David was willing to fight off the bear and the lion to protect his sheep, Jesus was willing to lay down his life for his sheep. And he did. He's the one who lays at the gate of the sheepfold and does not allow the enemy to get in or the sheep to wander. When we look at Psalm 23, the shepherd provides all that the sheep need to be content and safe in the life of God. In John 10, we learn that the shepherd wants us to have abundant life. He cares for us. And I began to think, okay, what is abundant life? What does he mean by abundant life? Does he mean that I've got my mansion? Does he mean that I've got, uh, does, does he mean, does it mean that I've got more money than I know what to do with? I don't think so. When he says that I want you to have abundant life, I, I think this, um, this is an answer that was given by some. It says, what is abundant life? It's a life found in Christ. Abundant living is a life that is filled with things that are good for us. A life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, compassion, humility, enthusiasm, confidence, honesty, a relationship with God. Abundant life is full of those things money can't buy and all come from God, who is the giver of all good things. Abundant life is the fullest, not merely existing or simply trying to make a living. Jesus said not to worry about our life, what we will eat or drink, or what we will wear. Worry about our life in our relationship with him. How interesting it is when we recognize who the Lord is that we have, and, and that we give him praise that is due to him because of not only who he is, but because of what he does in our lives. We need to be reminded that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied.